This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Kim Whitley, Vice President of Patient Logistics and Care Coordination at Phoebe Putney Memorial Hospital in Albany, Georgia. Kim, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I'm a registered nurse. Uh, I started my bedside career at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I've worked as a regional review supervisor for the Medicare QIO in Georgia. I worked at Navicent Health for uh, 26 years, both on clinical bedside and patient flow and revenue cycle. And now I'm at Phoebe Health System in Albany, Georgia. That's in the southwest corner of Georgia. So I've been in patient flow and care coordination for about 29 years, and my responsibilities at Phoebe Health also include, in addition to the command center, uh, care management, clinical documentation improvement, palliative care, central staffing, and central transport, both internal and external. Um, I've been involved in implementing the Transfer Center at Navicent in 1992 and then the Command Center at Phoebe here in February of 2019. And just to give you a little background, our Command Center um, has been open for two years now and has bed placement, EVS dispatch, central transport dispatch, non-emergency transport coordination, central staffing, registration, and then we have nurses in our command center that facilitate transfers and that complete the admissions process with our physicians doing the utilization screening. So it's a pretty robust command center. So it sounds like, you know, you have a ton going on there. You must be very coordinated in order to keep the command center running efficiently. Yeah, it's a big job, but it it, it was, it's been a game changer for us at at Phoebe even before COVID, but especially during the height of COVID. So uh, it's been been a a great honor to have implemented this and to see what great successes we've had with the command center. Absolutely. And, you know, what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned about keeping the ER patient flow efficient, especially in the past year during the pandemic? Well, let me give you a little perspective about our COVID journey. I I don't know if you're aware, but we were a hotspot in the state of Georgia. Actually, we were the third hotspot in the nation. And our COVID journey started on March the 10th. And it started with a super spreader event. We had two funerals and a jury trial. And quickly, COVID became all we talked about and all we did immediately right out of the gate. The first 24 hours of our uh, first COVID patient, we admitted over 14 COVID positive patients. And within 10 days, we had a census of 73. And by the end of March, we were in the high 130s. So if you can imagine what this was like to have gone from normal operations, which we were very full all of the time, um, to having this many COVID patients. Uh, We eventually got to the point where we had to start transferring patients out from our facility because the patients decompensated so quickly that we ran out of ICU beds in order to take care of these very, very sick COVID patients. So uh, most all of our medical floors turned to COVID floors. And of course, we suspended surgery and 
pretty much all we were doing is taking care of very, very sick COVID patients. So when we looked at the ER flow, um, one of our biggest issues was knowing what we had coming in because before the pandemic, we would identify patients in the ER that needed to be admitted close to when the consult came for admission. But with COVID, we had to know this way in advance because we had to start planning. Was this a patient that we were gonna be able to care for? Um, did we need to transfer them out? Were they going to need an ICU bed, uh, a ventilator, high flow oxygen? And so we, if you can imagine, uh, the command center needed this information uh, a little bit sooner than what we were used to. And so we immediately set up a process where um, at, right after triage, we would know whether or not a patient coming in the door was considered a, a, a PUI or a person under investigation for COVID. So we would know exactly what to do with them. Uh, and as opposed to patients that were not suspected for COVID and making sure that we had them separated and could admit them to floors that were not COVID. So we had that clinical and, and logistical communication that was key for real time. And this was something that the command center was able to do. We have the teletracking technology that we implemented in our command center, and we were able to use this technology um, really outside the boundaries of what teletracking uh, normally is used for us to identify patients the minute they come in and whether or not they were COVID or non-COVID and then to have that um, real-time information. So along with that, we had a command center RN that was assigned to coordinate these patients within the emergency room. And that has been one of the biggest game changers for us in managing the flow of patients in our ER. This command center nurse is in, in the ER working with our ER physicians from the time they begin to see their patients. And we are anticipating at that time who is going to be admitted before that consult comes in for admission. We're gathering that clinical information. We're um, really building the case for where that patient is going to need to be placed, keeping the command center involved in knowing the bed placement coordinators to know where these patients are going to need to be placed. And this RN also manages the consult from the ER physician to the admitting physician and makes sure that that person that that physician gets that notification and stays on top of how timely they are in getting to the ER to evaluate this patient. We make sure we have the right status order, that we've gathered all of the medical necessity information to, to um, verify that patient's status of inpatient observation, outpatient, surgical, and then that nurse in the command center is responsible for working with our ER staff to remove those obstacles for patient flow and to keep on top of how long are these patients waiting, what are they waiting for, what um, challenges can we clear up, and what we can do to get them out of the ER. So that, that whole um, command center model and having that RN in the ER has been 
the game changer for us. And then, of course, measuring to metrics is the other piece of what's been impactful to us. One of the things that teletracking gives us is this unbelievable amount of data. And, and one of the metrics we have is how long from when the physician was seen until the patient was ready to move, how long does it take us to assign the bed, and then how long does it take for the patient to leave the ER to get to this clean and ready bed. So when we look at those metrics, every day we report those metrics, and we can dive into, for example, if it's the metric is 30 minutes for the time the bed is clean and ready, the patient is in the bed on the floor then and we exceed that 30 minutes then we do that root cause analysis to find out why that happened and what processes might have failed or does someone need education and what do we need to do to quickly pivot to change um, processes to improve that metric so that we keep patients flowing through the organization the way they're supposed to. So that's pretty much been our um, major impacts on the flow is just having that person down there on top of what needs to be done to clear up all of the obstacles. Got it. It sounds like obviously you were able to stand that up pretty quickly and it's been so, so helpful during the pandemic. And how do you anticipate that that will transition and translate now into your overall operations as the cases decrease in, in most areas? Well, um, what, what we see today is we still have that RN located in, in the um, ER from the command center. And we don't have as many COVID patients coming in as we did, although we're still admitting every day. Um, but this, this RN still does those same functions. That, she, that, that RN is still responsible for uh, being that liaison between our EC physician and uh, whoever is admitting that patient, uh, making sure that they're timely and getting to the emergency room to evaluate the patient, uh, making sure that we get test results back. And of course, everyone's being tested for COVID and have we gotten those results back yet? And then to, to um, work with the ER nurses to make sure that they're getting the patient ready to move, we get that bed clean and ready and then get transport to come take the patient. So that really hasn't changed. It's just um, we don't have as many COVID patients to deal with every day. So we will continue that model um, since it was so successful and continues to be successful in reducing our ER holds. Got it. Thank you so much, Kim, for going through that with us. Now, what are you most excited about today and what makes you nervous? Well, let's start with nervous first. Um, of course, another COVID surge always makes us nervous and me nervous. Um, after our initial influx, and then we went down um, in May and June, and we thought, oh, yes, this is great. And then, wham, we had another one, a, a little surge um, in July, and then we had a huge surge in December, January. And then we went back down a little bit, and then we've seen the spring break Easter surge. So we just keep our fingers crossed now that we've had Mother's Day and graduation. 
we're always looking at the trends. We're looking at, um, you know, the graphs and what does Georgia look like and what does the rest of the nation look like? And so that's always something we're nervous about is, is what is that going to, to look like for us? Um, another thing that makes me nervous because I am in care coordination is just our rising length of stay and our post-acute delay placements. We have issues in Southwest Georgia. We don't have as many resources as a lot of the larger metropolitan areas. So we find patients that, that stay with us longer because they need, um, they need uh, home health and we might not have a home health nurse available or they might need a skilled nursing bed and there's not one available readily. So, so those, that makes me nervous and, and as well as, as I think everyone, every healthcare system across the nation is worried about the financial impact of COVID on their facilities and, and what is that going to look like for us in the future as we come out of the um, COVID pandemic, try to get on the other side of it. So um, those things make me nervous. And But what makes me really excited is the amazing work that we did um, through the pandemic and what we continue to do today with our patient flow and our EC admissions. Um, one of the things we've done is we were on diversion quite a bit and turning patients away because we didn't have adequate patient flow or capacity. And so we have practically eliminated diversion. Uh, as a matter of fact, if we do go on diversion, it's only for a short period of time, maybe critical care beds. Um, we don't close beds due to staffing here. We keep everything open and everything flowing. So that's been very exciting to see just all of that work and just like a year and a half of, of working on this patient flow. Um, we've seen an increase in our 11 a.m. discharges from zero to over 24%. And so that, that has been a significant improvement. And our ER inpatient holds have decreased by four hours on the average. And we are getting ready to go system-wide with our command center. So there's two other facilities within our system and we're going live with the next larger one and, and then hopefully um, the third one in the next year. So those are the things that keep me excited. That is great to hear and impressive, you know, that you've been able to get to the point where you've practically eliminated the diversions or just having them for a yeah. short period of time. That's, you know, obviously a huge goal for many places. So um, yeah. congratulations on that. Thank you. Now, before we uh, wrap up our conversation, I was wondering, can you share three important trends for healthcare leaders to follow today? Well, of course, we're all following COVID, and is there going to be another surge, and what is the winter going to bring? And then, you know, following how do other health systems, how are they incorporating COVID management into normal business operations? How do you get back to normal business operations? Uh, we still have um, not seen us go back to our pre-COVID surgery volumes and procedural volumes, and we still have people, our patients and our community members are still putting off things that we feel like they really don't need to. So how do we get them back to us um, to take care of them the way we need to? And then, you know, the PPE and, and our vaccination efforts to, to uh, take care of our community. So those are the trends we're looking at. But 
what do we do with our aging population and, and, and looking at how can we change the healthcare delivery and, and looking at expansion outside the four walls of the acute care space and, and where do we need to be and how effective are we there? Um, looking at alliances and partnerships along the way with our community clinics and our, our physicians and our services that are available out there. And then, of course, the integration of these health facilities and providers and looking at that advanced and chronic illness management. We have a lot of renal failure patients here, congestive heart failure patients, COPD. And so how, how can we continue to manage those patients as that population continues to grow? Um, I think one of the trends that I look at is technology, what's out there, um, what's cutting edge. Uh, can our current technology vendors keep up with the changes with innovation, looking at um, how can you leverage artificial intelligence for different areas within what I do, what I'm responsible for, um, you know, the seamless clinical information exchange, which we seem to all struggle with is, is how can everyone know what's going on with this patient as they go through those different journeys through their healthcare experience. And finally, just looking at healthcare outcomes, you know, looking at our quality measures and, and how can we provide better documentation to show the care that we give and leveraging all those value-based purchasing things that we look at every single day to improve ourselves. So those are the major things we look at that I look at in trends for healthcare leaders. Kim, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you very much. Have a great day.